0: So much older than am younger
1: than that now. Hey everybody, Bill Schaefer here along with Mark Middleton. Every now and then we all need a shot in the arm, don't you think? A nudge, something to remind us that life is short and we need to get up, get out, and live it while we have the chance. Well, that attitude and this radio show are called Growing Bolder. And over the next hour, you're going to hear some inspiring stories from some truly incredible people, all who found ways to ramp things up and get into lives of passion and purpose, the kinds of stories that will lead you to believe that, yeah, you can do it too.
2: You are so right, Mr. Schaefer. On today's program, we'll hear from an influential fashion blogger, photographer, author, and filmmaker whose works, Advanced Style and Advanced Love, are now Advancing and appreciation for an age group that's typically ignored. We're going to meet a woman whose life changed in the most unexpected ways by picking up a paintbrush and expressing herself through art. We'll also hear from a real-life daredevil, the king of the high wire, Nick Walenda, who's going to reveal what he's trying to teach us all by continuing to risk his life. But first, you know him from TV programs like Northern Exposure and the film My Big Fat Greek Wedding. But now actor John Corbett is going to talk about new challenges, new adventures, and his life with Bo Derek. Amazing people, amazing people. Amazing stories, it's time for Growing Boulder.
1: You're listening to Growing Bolder, inspiring you to find what you like, do what you're passionate about, and pursue it. And there are all kinds of examples of people who had to search to find what their passion is, even people who went on to become big-time celebrities like our next guest. He starred in commercials before he landed a role in the series Wonder Years, and then he went on to Northern Exposure, for which he was awarded an Emmy, and that led to HBO's Sex in the City, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and too many roles in between to mention. Most recently, you can catch him in the popular teen romance film To All the Boys, the most recent of which in the series P.S. I Still Love You is streaming worldwide on Netflix. Let's say hi to John Corbett. How are you, John? Wow, that's an introduction. I'm great. It's it's all stuff that you've earned and you've done, and your story's really cool, and and especially these films, this trilogy which is coming out, they, they've really found a following, and we're kind of curious as to what it's like to be a hit in the teen trilogy.
3: Uh... <laughs> You know, when you're in this business thirty five years, and uh, I'll be fifty nine in a couple months. You know, there's a there's a there's a twilight setting on everybody's career, right? And uh, usually, when you when you're a man, you're up in your you're hitting your sixties. It slows down, and if you're a woman, that can be in the thirties. Yeah. And uh, I'm just blown away that I'm I'm in this. You know, the second one came out yesterday on Netflix. The first one was a big, uh, a big hit last year. We thought it was just going to be a, you know, a little thing that a few people saw, but it was one of Netflix' most viewed shows ever. And so they decided to make two and three. We shot them uh, back to back. But getting back to to being being in something popular right now at this point in my career, any actor who's ever been able to just act and pay the electric bills. Can consider themselves beyond lucky, and you know it, it's been like that for me for 35 years. I worked in a steel factory before I was an actor for six years, from uh, 18 to 24, and I've never had to do that job again. Thankfully. And people have paid me to do this, and it's kind of a dream come true, really.
1: But, John, your story's even cooler than that, because you were a steel worker, you were a hairdresser, and you've been a country singer. And I'm wondering if you had to search as well. Did you know in those early days that acting was going to be your calling?
3: I, you know, in a lot of... I didn't. I didn't. I found it in, in the junior college. I went to junior college, but late. I went when I was about 24, 25 right after the steel factory i actually got hurt in the steel factory and i uh, couldn't do manual labor i hurt my back pretty bad and i uh i said okay i'm going i didn't go to college right after high school i'm going back i'm going to get an education and i found that this is even before computers just when you held a book and took it home and were supposed to read six chapters i was lost already i mean i was a c student in high school and and let six years go by i was lost but one day i met some actors and uh, i had never even been to a play my entire life. I'd never been to a play. I liked movies like everyone else and watched enough TV. But uh, I got in this improv class uh, because I met some people one day in the cafeteria who invited me to come check it out, and uh, it changed my life. I, I finally had a way, besides making my friends laugh when we went out for a few beers, I found a way to express myself. Uh, that I never found before, and and that was really the path that led me to it. You know, in a form of expression.
1: So, isn't it the way it usually goes, John? Is okay. So you you take this class, and you're going, wow, this this is kind of cool. And you tell your friends that, hey, maybe I'm going to be an actor. And they go, forget it. You'll never make it. It's too tough a business.
3: I had a teacher. It's true. And I had a teacher, and I was there for two years, and did plays uh, like Under Milkwood by Dylan Thomas and Hair, the musical Hair. I did about six or seven plays in those two years, and finally my, my acting teacher, her name was Georgia Wells, her name is Georgia Wells, she took me aside and she said, John, you're 26 years old, that's, a, that's already old for a start in Hollywood, she said, if you want to be a professional actor in TV and movies, you need to move to Hollywood right now and get in acting classes and start to try to pursue it, otherwise... It's just going to be a dream. And you're going to end up selling insurance somewhere. And uh, I took her advice. And I I had a condo down in uh, by Long Beach, California. And I just I sold everything and moved up to Hollywood and lived with five guys in a two-bedroom apartment. And uh, I did that for years. And and in so many ways, it was the time of my life while I while I pursued acting. That's when I went to hairdressing school. I was going to hairdressing school in the daytime, studying acting at night.
1: Isn't it funny that as, as our careers go on, you almost come full circle where you mentioned that sometimes after 60, the roles start to diminish, uh, especially in Hollywood. And that doesn't seem to have happened to you at all. Do you feel like you're treated a little differently now at this age? What's it like out there when you're almost 59 years old and still wanting to be relevant?
3: It can be cold, man. It's uh, it's cold. I got lucky again on on Oscar Sunday, just this past Sunday. I got a I got a text about eight o'clock at night while I was watching the Oscars and being jealous that all these actors are working and and uh, and I hadn't really, we finished up to all the boys I Love before you know a year ago, so I haven't really worked in a year. And I thought, okay, man, that's it. You better start uh, tightening up the belts, you know. Because you got a long way to go, and maybe work won't happen. And I got an offer for a TV pilot for ABC that I said yes to, and we're going to start shooting it in a couple couple weeks with a with a great actress named Katie Seagal, who was the mom on I Married love Katie Seagal. Yeah, and it's a great it's a takeoff on Aaron uh, Brockovich, and she's our executive producer. And uh, here you go, man. I'm throwing my hat back in the ring, hoping uh, this show we're going to do gets picked up. It's called Rebel. And you never know when that phone rings who's going to be on the other end. That's what I've come to find out. Just when when you think, okay, uh, how old do you have to be to get that Social Security? You start thinking about that, the phone rings with something good. For me, it's I've always jumped from one lily pad. As soon as it starts to sink and I'm about down to my knees, another one comes by and I jump on it. It's been like that.
1: And how cool is it to be, as you said, just about 59 and you're referred to by teenagers now as Lara Jean's hot dad.
3: (laughs) That's cool. My favorite coffee shop is right across the street from a high school. So when I stop in there to get coffee, these little kids that used to blow by me, you know, I was on Northern Exposure 30 years ago. They have never seen that. Even Sex in the City was 20 years ago. They haven't seen that if they're 17, 18, but they see me and they're like, oh my God, your Laura Jean's dead. So that's just really cool, man.
1: Well, listen, you and your uh, romantic partner are both poster people for what growing bolder is all about. You know, you've been with Bo Derek for the longest time, and we are so envious and jealous of you for that. But yet you guys raise the bar. You're changing the expectation of what's possible as we age because you're doing it in such a vibrant, powerful, positive way. How are things going for you guys? And what's life like at this age?
3: Yeah, Bo and I, we just celebrated 18 years together, uh, on Oscar, on Oscar Sunday. That was our first date together. We went to an Oscar party. And it's, uh, it's just like everybody says, time goes by so quick. It's like a hurricane, man. I can't believe we're, uh, we're together 18 years and that much time has gone by. And, uh, She's the love of my life. We we have a lot of fun. She'll come down to L. A. with me. We know we never had kids. I never had kids, and she never had kids, and we never had them together. So, our three German shepherds are our little boys, and they kind of go everywhere with us. And uh, it's just a, you know it's another another adventure. And Bo's on a a few boards, you know, saving wildlife. She's on Wild Aid and the California Horse Racing Board, and she really looks out for other creatures besides the human ones, and uh, she's just a fantastic partner in life.
1: Hey, in the last little bit we have, you're such a cool guy. I mean, you really seem to get life. You've had big successes, some maybe not so big. What have you learned about life, and what can you teach us about what's important after things that you've learned from your perspective?
3: What I've learned is none of it really matters. At all, in 100 years, everybody we know, including us, will be gone, and really no one's going to remember us, so try to enjoy every day. Every day, just try to enjoy it to its fullest. We don't really know when that sun's going to just blow up and shoot across the sky like every other shooting star we see. They think they know, but you never know if the sun's going to rise tomorrow, so just enjoy it, man.
1: What a cool guy and what a great conversation. If you get the chance, check out for all the boys, all of the films on Netflix, all three of them, two up now, one coming. And by all means, keep an eye out for whatever John Corbett is in. John, great talking to you, great wisdom, and let's all start Growing Bolder. Growing Boulder provided by our partners at Florida Blue Medicare. It's important to know what's covered, so together we've created a guide that makes Medicare easy to understand. More information at slash guide. Growing Boulder TV is back for its sixth season on public television, and it is bolder than ever. All new episodes begin airing weekly on WUCF-TV, Saturday mornings at 9.30, beginning September 19th. You're listening
2: to Growing Boulder Radio with Mark and Bill. And you know when you become a big-time, worldwide rock star at the age of 17, what are you supposed to do when you're 70? If there's something about music that keeps you alive and well, then legendary guitarist Rick Derringer seems to have discovered exactly what that is.
4: Every now and then I know it's kind of hard to tell I'm still alive and well
1: Just like the song he wrote back in 1973, guitar great Rick Derringer is now in his 70s and still performing, still touring, and still sounding great. <laughs> I'm still alive and well
4: Still alive and well Every now and then, I know it's kind of hard to tell. I'm still alive and well.
1: And a lot of people
4: still know who he is. My wife calls it, you've been recognized. Recognized. <laughs> and if they don't think I'm Rick, nowadays they go, Are you Sir Paul McCartney? I get Sir Paul a lot. And you go, Why, yes, I am. <laughs> I tell him no, but you know, you just know you've seen
1: me somewhere. Rick Derringer has been around for a long time, ever since he did this. It was 1965. Hang on Sloopy went straight to number one, and Rick was a rock star at the age of 17.
0: Oh, let's work out now.
1: So we figured, well, this business
4: is a piece of cake. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing to this. So, in some ways, we had nowhere to go but down.
1: But Derringer would climb the charts again, this time on his own, with a song that became one of the party anthems of the 70s.
0: Rock and rock,
1: At this point, everybody began to notice, and before long, those sizzling licks and musical instincts made him one of the most sought-after musicians in the industry. All kinds of artists reached out for a bit of the Derringer mojo, and they got it, giving him a big hand in creating some classics.
4: Total Eclipse of the Heart, that's a huge record. I I love being part of that. I produced the demos that got Cindy Lauper her record deal, as a matter of fact. So I feel important there. I discovered Weird Al Yankovic, did the first album without a record company. produced six albums after that, two Grammy award-winning records. Barbara Streisand, the song Making Love Out of Nothing at All uh, by Air Supply, I love the solo I played on that. Many Steely Dan songs, I'm um, playing on lots of stuff. Kiss, all of a
1: sudden, the audience goes, wow, I didn't know he had that many hits. Did you ever struggle with the, the traps that a lot of people that get famous do? Did you have addiction issues? Oh, Did you lose yourself? I went, through, well, I feel, you know, happy that I was able to get
4: out of those things. But, yeah, I went through it all. I was uh, in a world where we were given anything that people thought was cool or things that weren't. We didn't have to ask for it. The people just here give you have you know some of this. I tried it all, but I escaped from it all. I'm here. I'm still alive and well. And so I, I feel like I've been saved for a purpose. Then what longer I go on, like I said, we're we're all looking for our place in life. And I think I've been protected and I've been saved. And I was given that talent to use it for something. And uh, so I'm still pursuing that particular goal. Use that talent to reach people and let them know uh, what it feels like <laughs> to be good. Now, the sad part about it is, Every time a songwriter writes a song, he thinks, this is, oh man, this song is fabulous. (laughs) And it's only until he unleashes it on the audience that he learns whether or not it really is fabulous. Because it's not about you, it's about, once again, transmission of this heart to them. So they'll tell you whether the song's great or not. Sloopy, I don't care what your daddy do. Because you know, sloopy girl, I'm in love with you. I'm not trying to go out there and uh, prove anything anymore. But I was. When I was young, I wanted to prove, man, am I hot or what? Uh, but after a while, you just go, well, I've done that. I proved that. What, so What replaces that? <laughs> maintenance uh, is what comes next. But you do want to feel like, you know, I've made a
1: contribution. I did a lot. Ah, yeah,
4: I know. I know that, though. I know that. I know that. And so do I your don't. peers. And, and that's right, too. Yeah, I've been very well accepted as a musician, and, and uh, people know that. In the end, I feel, I feel really good about that. I can go anywhere in the world and play a concert, and somebody's going to show up. And they're also going to know your songs. They're going to know the songs. So I, I've lived a really full life. I've uh, been... Very, very accepted musically, all across the board, uh, by people of all levels. It's it's fabulous to be liked by the people you like. You can't get much better than that. I'm still alive and well.
2: You know, Bill, that is really interesting. I had no idea Rick Derringer was involved in so many hit records, and and what a great attitude he's got.
1: Y- you know what I think it is, Mark. He really seems to have found that connection between passion and purpose. The guy is truly re-energized, and you know what? He's loving life at seventy.
0: Rock and roll.
1: You know, there may be no role in our society more important and less understood than that of a caregiver. And it ends up, more times than not, you end up getting thrust into the role, having to look after a family member with little or no training or preparation. But finally, Mark, that is beginning to change. And thank goodness, because there are, like, 53
2: million caregivers in the U.S. now. Cristina Barcelona is Director of Care Programs for GuideWell Connect. She serves in the role of community specialist, which essentially is somebody that members can reach out to for advice. Cristina says she discovered one of the most common caregiver concerns is also one of the most important to deal
0: with. I was an executive director of an assisted living facility for over 10 years, and one of the things that I've learned from families is that sometimes guilt plays a really large role in caregiving we feel guilty for something we did something we didn't do maybe we got a little bit upset or we feel we weren't enough but every time I encourage them to know that they're doing the best they can and they are perfect just the way they are and it's time for us to say it's okay to forgive yourself because your loved one knows even if they can't express it that what you're doing for them is the most beautiful thing in the world
2: Barcelona says that programs like hers at Florida Blue Centers throughout the state are now providing resources that have never been available before. And as the number of caregivers continues to rise, they hope to provide the kind of support that can make all the difference for all of them. If you'd like some more information, just go to com slash Medicare.
1: Up next, Daredevil Nick Walenda and the surprising reason he gives that makes risking his life so important. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com.
2: I'm Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder, a program that we hope will inspire you to make sure that you are living your life to the very fullest, and that's something that Nick Willenda knows all about. He's an acrobat, an aerialist, daredevil, high-wire artist, and maybe to him, the most frightening of all, an author. Nick holds 11 Guinness World Records, and probably the most mind-blowing, at least so far, is that he was the first person to walk over Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Why does he do it? What has he learned from it, and how can it impact our lives? Let's find out as we welcome the undisputed king of the high wire, the great Nick Willenda. Hey, Nick, how are you?
5: I'm great, thank you.
2: Yeah, You're great. And, you know, we've got a national program called Launch Pad to What's Next that also is a touring show. It's based on the notion that we all have to have a what's next, something that challenges <laughs> us. So let's talk about what's next for you, because you've got yeah. something that may be the most dangerous of all.
5: That's the story of my life. I'm always planning for what's next. People are always fascinated. At the fact that I'm working on three and four events after this, uh, working on my second and third book as I'm working on my second. It is uh, That's my life story. So as of right now, what's next is I am about to take on the greatest challenge of my career. I, I live by the, uh, hopefully being a role model of encouraging people to step out of their comfort zones in, in order to pursue and become great. Uh, whatever their passions and dreams and desires are. And, and in, in saying that, um, I continually do that with myself. I will become the first person in the world to walk a wire directly over an active volcano. It's located in Nicaragua. Uh, it is called Masaya, and it is active in the sense that there is 2,000-degree magma, uh, lake of flowing lava down below, and with that comes every other challenge I've ever faced. Uh, being that there are winds in the area and then of course the gases which are a huge concern uh, not only because I will have to wear a gas mask that is designed to absorb or pull the oxygen out of those gases I'll also have to wear a gas uh, I'm sorry an oxygen tank goggles to protect my eyes and also the concern is those gases can leave a residue on the wire that could cause it to become slippery uh, which uh, again is is, is a, a, night, a wire walkers worst nightmare um, but again, I, I do this stuff because it is about inspiring others that nothing is impossible and that, uh, that we all can become great. And I, I can tell you this, that first step is never easy. And that has been sort of my life, uh, my life story is taking that first step. It is the most exciting step of the walk, but it is the scariest step of the walk. It's exciting because it's almost over at that point. My great-grandfather said it best when he said, life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting. And for, for our family, that's very true, but I think really that, that kind of uh, pertains to everybody, and I think everybody can relate to that statement.
2: We're talking to the great Nick wilunda and Nick, there, there's we know what you think about this. Uh, it's going to be tough. You've got to manage it. You're going to be successful, but let me ask you this. What does your wife think about it?
5: You know, surprisingly, my wife is very supportive. My wife comes from a, a long history of circus background, which is my background. My background goes back to the 1780s uh, in the circus, and hers goes before that, so because of that, she shares some of the same dreams and, and aspirations that I do, maybe not to walk over a volcano but but certainly holds a couple world records herself and um, and shares that again that common love uh, for the art of, of entertainment and the art of, of, of live stunts so um, that helps a lot for sure so she's, she's very supportive surprisingly of all of my endeavors. She certainly gets nervous, but the truth is so do I uh, I think that's that's part of what makes Anybody great is stepping again, stepping, uh, even though you're nervous, you still have to, even though you're scared, you still have to take that first step.
2: Well, you know what they say, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, You know better than anybody that despite all of your expertise, your practice, your attention to detail, accidents can and do happen. In fact, just a few years ago, you were one of eight on a high wire. When you all fell, there were some serious injuries. You weren't hurt physically, as I understand it, but you did have PTSD to the point where you considered retiring. How long did it take you to get over that notion?
5: Yeah, it uh, it was a process. In fact, I'm I'm writing a book right now that'll come out in September on overcoming fear, and it's because I faced fear. Fear became so real to me after that accident because I continued to to walk the wire. Yet I continued to relive that accident while I was walking over and over again, and it, it came to the point where I told my wife, "I'm done. I don't think I can do this anymore." And, um, and then I kind of thought back to family history and the stuff that my family had been through and that they had continued on and kind of used that as inspiration. But my book is about the process and what I went through in hopes that other people that are gripped by fear are able to step out of their fear and continue to pursue, again, their dreams and aspirations. I, I, I believe that society uh, as a whole – is uh, is scared, scared of something. And it might be flying on airplanes uh, and going to that destination they've always dreamt of, or it might be scared of leaving their job that they're miserable at every morning when they get up in their car and go to work. But it's the fear of what's next and what is going to, uh, how am I going to provide for my family? And, and I encourage people that there are greater things out there, but it's about overcoming that fear, which is certainly a battlefield of the mind. And that's something that I deal with all the time. It is something I'm dealing with as we speak because two weeks out, I'm about to you know, take this journey over this volcano, and every day new challenges get thrown at me from my team that's over there, and it, it can be overwhelming, but it's all about how I categorize those thoughts and those fears, and I put them in certain categories, and I deal with them accordingly.
2: Well, we'll look forward to that book. Uh, Nick, you know, this is why we like you so much, not just that you walk the wire. Yeah, that's cool. But, you know, we talk a lot of, in our business about embracing risk, especially as we age, because as we age, we learn to say no more than yes. And, of course, we don't encourage people to walk the wire, but, but taking risk, you know, getting out of this uh, bubble of surplus safety is critical to active longevity. So what do you say to people as they get older about, you know, embracing risk and not being afraid to fail?
5: Yeah, look, I mean, a success. you can't achieve success without failure. I think they're parallels. I think you have to fail to achieve success. So for one, I would encourage people that no matter what, no matter what setbacks or hurdles you have to overcome, continue to push forward. But my family for seven generations have lived by the words, the show must go on. And I've adapted those to never give up. And, and the reality is, There were many times throughout my career of of setting all these world records and walking in places no one in the world ever has where doors were closed and where I felt like giving up. Uh, But I can tell you if I did, I would not be where I am today. And there were many times that I probably should have or logically would have given up, but I didn't. And I encourage people, no matter what uh, hurdles they face, just keep pushing through, Uh, keep plowing through. Uh, use a lot of wisdom. I uh, do everything with integrity, but continue to pursue your dreams and passions, no matter what blocks you or what gets in your way.
2: Nick, we wish you nothing but the best. Good luck.
1: Up next, using art to ignite a passion for life. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at crosbywellnesscenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. This is growing bolder on Bill Schaefer, along with Mark Middleton, and we see time after time the power that something creative like music or, or especially art, can do to a person when they delve into it for the very first
2: time. You know, you are absolutely right, Bill, and I love to have conversations with artists uh, for that very reason. They're interesting, they're inspired, they figure out a way to move forward, and uh, I felt very fortunate to sit down and visit with uh, Martha Joe Mahoney in her studio recently. How does it feel to be 73 and and to be involved in creating? I don't
0: career? feel 73. I really just don't feel, I look in the mirror and don't feel 73 at all. It's just a number to me as it's kind of always been. But I mean, I know people that are in their 80s and 90s that are just incredible people, you know, getting out and doing things. And that's how I want to be.
2: Yeah. And how how big a part of your life now is your art? Where would you be without it?
0: It's... My art is every day. It is who I am. It's what I need to get to at the end of every day. I come home and I read, but it's my art I look forward to going to in the morning. And I'm here about three hours every day. uh, Five days a week, sometimes six days a week, depending on what I'm working on. And, um... It's just, uh, I can't imagine my life without art.
2: Tell me a little bit about your creative process. Has it changed at all? No,
0: it's pretty much, I do a lot of research. I research how other painters are working, and I go to ACA, Atlantic Center for the Arts, twice, three times a year. I paint with other artists there, uh, and our classes might be 12 to 15 people. And doing that three and four times a year enables me to talk about our art, to explore new techniques, if you will, to try new um, um, ideas out, bigger and better on the floor, if you will. Um, And then I come back and I uh, start working on a series in my studio. But truthfully, it's always been I take a trip. And when I take a trip, I immerse myself in the colors of what I'm seeing in the people and the region and I like to study history about what has gone before me and how this ancient city developed and it just transcends my mind and it it plays a really important part of imagination.
2: And I know like almost every great artist you're capable of rendering stuff that, that, that is non-abstract. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think you told me once, kind of like, once you go abstract, uh, you, you never, you go, never back. go
0: back. You never go back. And do you still
2: feel that way? Although sometimes uh, you do stuff that's figurative. Sometimes
0: I do figurative. I still go back to the figure because I love the figure. But it's done a lot less... Rendering is a lot looser. Mm-hmm. It's probably the uh, the head that you know it's a head, but it's, it's just... Uh, abstracted, if you will. And I I like loose. I'm kind of that type of person. I don't like constricted. I I have to be open, 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 open.
2: And it seems like in general, as we age, some people get more set in their ways, more unable and unwilling to take risk, and other people just are able to do whatever. In your art, are you as risk-taking as ever?
0: Absolutely. I haven't closed myself in yet. I want to try every every year to to create something I haven't seen before, some some type of of uh, step forward in my art that is all about what I've been, but I want to move forward and re- not become stayed in my art. Is there if someone were to look at a painting, could they say that's? That's a Martha John yeah. Mahoney. Yeah. And, and, and I've wh- gotten that. And, and, I've gotten that. And what is that? What do they see? I think it's the energy and the colors I use. I really do. And the uh, subject matter.
2: And you told me once which is what I like and you know in the in the little bit of poking around I do, I you know it's what I love about the process is the is the problem solving. Yeah, you know, I'm guessing as good as you are, you can solve problems pretty quickly. Yeah. I'll look at something for hours and you know, yeah, and, and stumble with it. But That's right.
0: You paint too. I'm trying to. Oh, uh, but but is that is that still one of the attractions for you? Is that what the process is? Yeah, and I've got several paintings here I could show you of quietly letting it go because maybe that isn't going to be solved, and it's just going to make me anxious and. And I want to move on. So sometimes I've learned letting go is more important than solving that damn problem.
2: And what does letting go look like? Does that mean putting it in the corner? or Does it mean painting over it or discounting the price?
0: <laughs> All three. <laughs> <laughs> and when
2: you say you like you go to the Atlantic Center for the Arts, you love yeah. to talk to other, other artists. I'm curious about... The fine line between being influenced and mm-hmm. stealing. Uh, and I know and I use stealing okay. only in the lightest term because I know everybody's yeah. influenced by yeah. everybody. But everybody do, you, do, you, do, you, do you struggle with that when you say, that's cool, I want to incorporate
0: that, but in my own way? Exactly. And uh, I, I don't really have a struggle with that anymore because um, I have uh, at times painted a Monet. I have at times painted a Picasso. But in doing that, I have learned how he solved his problems and how he went forward to uh, create this uh, incredible imagery that we are, you know, profoundly interested in. But so I've done that. And and in doing that, I've learned techniques on brushstroke. I've learned techniques on mixing colors. Uh, so um, I can still today look at a magazine and go, God, look at those colors together. Now, that is cool. But what I would do maybe is take this idea with this idea and this idea and create my own. And if that's, it's not really stealing. It's um, taking the idea and rearranging it to fit what, who you are.
2: Do you have trouble... Starting? Do you know when you start? Is it usually
0: where you thought you
2: would go, or does the painting tell you what to do with it? It
0: tells me what to do with it. Sometimes I think it's going to be a figure, and it turns out to be an abstraction. It just wasn't meant to be the figure. And is that part of the and process? And I really listen to my heart about it, you know. I listen to my head. Quit stressing over it. If it's not working, turn it upside down and go go for it. Get out the big brush.
2: So... What do you say to someone out there that you know really has no interest, desire, and maybe talent to be a professional artist, but just about the process and the active creative engagement? I, I think I shared oh. with you one time they did research and it said that the only quality that, that in any way has an impact on active longevity is creative ability. I mean, so what do you say to? Boy, people, I agree with that What do you say to people about, that, about getting involved in the process?
0: Whether it be um, creating pottery sculpting watercolors uh, taking a painting class when you create something it really changes you it um, makes you maybe understand yourself more even Um, it makes you more appreciative also of the arts Uh, so get involved and try it yourself you know in any little town there is an art community that you can join
2: and does it make a difference ultimately whether it's good or
0: not no it doesn't make a damn difference it's uh it's all it's all for you it's what does it do for you
2: how's the bovine valve doing these days
3: (laughs) (laughs) you're still moving
0: Still moving, baby. Because
2: I know there was that one painting where everybody was gathering. Yeah, the
0: gathering around, the gathering, the gathering.
2: You, you not, have not only survived, you thrived. It yeah.
0: seems. Yeah. Life is good. Life is very good.
2: I'm happy. You know, we've done several video stories on Martha Joe Mahoney. If you'd like to see her and see her artwork, just go to GrowingBoulder.com and look for Martha Joe
1: Mahoney. Up next, how a photographer's eye for fashion and love drew him to discover how stylish and inspiring people can be at what he calls an advanced age. This is Growing Bolder. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at slash subscribe. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at slash podcasts.
2: You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. And you know, sometimes in life, our daily routine can feel like an autopilot. We miss what's going on around us because we assume it's the usual. Well, that did not happen to Ari Seth Cohen. And because he was observant and because he was curious... He became respected worldwide as an influential fashion blogger, photographer, author, and filmmaker. Inspired by his grandmother, Ari moved to New York City where he noticed the street style of older women. And with a borrowed camera, he began documenting and sharing photos in a blog that's called Advanced Style. Well, that blog became a global platform that now includes four books and a documentary film. His latest book is called Advanced Love, and it proves that love is bound by neither the constraints of age nor time. So let's find out more as we welcome back Ari Seth Cohen. Hey, Ari, how you doing?
6: Good. Thank you so much for having me again.
2: Well, we know how busy you are, and we greatly appreciate your time. All right, you're already on to your fourth book, Advanced Love, uh, and I love this idea. Uh, you feature stylish couples and, and rather than just individuals, like in most of your previous work. How did Couples Street Style become an opportunity for you to explore what's unique about a couple's relationship?
6: Yeah, well, I had been um, working on Advanced Style since 2008, and along the way, I was photographing couples everywhere that I was traveling, and a lot of the men and women that I was photographing, I would meet their their partners. And so after doing my, my third book, I thought it would be a great opportunity to explore a deeper look into aging and love and diverse relationships and how companionship and love can affect the aging process, and, and I entered into my first relationship about the time that I started to advance style. So all these couples were giving me advice and showing me, you know, we're not really taught, we're not given a roadmap about how relationships and love develop, and we, we kind of always have these images of perfect, a picture of perfect um, relationships, and so it was wonderful to have all these couples giving me advice, and so I wanted to share that with other people.
2: Well, thank you for doing that. And and, um, is it a cultural misconception, Ari, that love, passion, and sex, and I get that they may be three very different things, but is it a misconception that love, passion, and sex always wane as couples get older, or does it evolve?
6: Oh, I mean, the couples that I talked to, some of them have been together for 60 or 70 years, and they're more in love than ever. They're, they're still having sex. They talk about that in the book, and they say that's never uh, been better. And I think, like, once you get to know yourself and know what what is good for you, you can be a better partner. And so all these couples share the various tips that they've learned over the years. Um, one of the couples, Dolores and Ben, Dolores says they've been married for over 60 years. And they've learned to perfect the fight. So, you know, it doesn't get too far, but they, but you have to have a little bit of that tension to be able to have that, that, that great relationship and um, the passion. Yeah, I don't think passion and love and any of that wanes as, as you, as you get older.
2: Uh, You know, what we love about Advanced Love is that you do cast, as you noted, a very wide net. You feature diverse couples uh, from various countries and cities, same-sex couples, interracial couples, couples who met when they were young, others who met recently. Uh, What, if anything, Ari, did these couples have in common? Was there any common denominator, a common thread that led to a successful relationship?
6: Yeah, I think a sense of humor. I think... um you know each one of them navigates a re- their relationships in very different ways there's balances between one person who who might be the more um uh talkative one and and one who who you know there's there's always a little bit of a balance but i think compassion empathy humor ability to communicate you know letting go like there's so many things that that unite these couples and you know they have fun together and i think it's like continuing one one of the couples says, you know, even more important than love is, is to like. You have to like your partner. You have to continue to like that person over the years because even if you love them, if you don't like them, it's not going to work out.
2: It is a great read. We're talking with Ari Seth Cohen, who who has profiled uh, forty different couples as diverse as you as can be in his new book called Advanced Love. And uh, you know it wouldn't be an Ari Seth Cohen book if it didn't also have some stunning photography. So, so so you get that as well. And Ari, I'm curious about couples that meet later in life that find new love because I think we all kind of get set in our ways. We're afraid, uh, you know, can we get along with someone? How much is sex going to be a big deal? Uh, what is did you find about couples who find love late in life? I'm, I'm guessing that those who do find it, uh, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them.
6: Well that's what I really um, loved about this process was seeing like how hopeful we can all be to find love at at any at any age. And one of the women, um, Evita, she um, was married for 44 years and that met Hans, her current uh, companion, uh, who's 12 years or junior? She's 94, and they're going hot air balloon riding and, <laughs> and zip lining. They met at a, a senior living community in Santa Rosa, and um, you know they both were married, and they talk about their partners, and they they still love their partners, and acknowledge that they had those relationships, but now they're able to have this new chapter in their life um, together. So. There's never uh, a point where you know love is not a possibility, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, a lot of the couples, you know, people meet, met each other on bus rides. You know, it's just being out there and and willing to be open to the, to to love and uh, meeting someone new. But yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible. I I also profile people who lost their partners, and and that carry, that the love of that partner that they've lost it carries them through as well. So it's not only about Searching for someone new, not everyone wants another partner after their partner has passed away. But, yeah, there's um, so many different stories and um, relationships that that were profiled, and um, it definitely gave me hope for the future.
2: Well, you know, I think one of the things that, that, that we have in common, Ari, in terms of what we're both trying to do from a media platform, is you know, growing bolder. We, we encourage individuality, eccentricity. You know, we, we want you to be you without apology, no matter uh, who that is. And um, you know, is is it harder for same sex couples who 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 finally, or I mean, expl- talk a little bit about that? People who finally find love uh, in in this culture, in this world, in a way that they're not feeling threatened anymore. That that's got to make the them feel really, really good to finally be able to be who they are.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the older same-sex couples that I profiled have been through so much, And but I mean, a lot of the couples in the book, there's interracial couples, there's, you know, so many different people who, who've been through things, um, and I think that their love is really powerful because they have had to, to fight for that love, but it never stopped them from loving, and so... You know, some of these couples have been together 40, 50 years, and um, they do, you know, a lot of them have, have gotten married in the last few years. And, I mean, that was a huge deal for them because they never thought that that was going to be an opportunity. And, yeah, they're just continuing to be role models for other people. And, yeah, I mean, they're they're thrilled. This book is really just a celebration of life, of, you know, the process of, of aging and kind of shining a, a light on a different perspective on growing older with like all my books do, but there's a lot of wisdom in, in, in every couple's story.
2: How has writing this book changed you, Ari? I mean, what do you wish we all understood about the aging process?
6: In terms of love, I think that it kind of makes you feel like what you're going through in your own relationship is okay. Because I think that there's a stigma against talking about, you know, the, the problems and the, uh, And the difficulties with maintaining a long lasting relationship and you hear these couples so openly speaking about fighting and being passionate and and getting through hard times and, you know, all these things that you're like, wow, it's not just me who goes through these things. And then seeing how they've come out on top over over decades of learning about themselves and other people and then, you know, just showing that, um, you know, all my work really shows like like you do as well that just because we get older that doesn't change who we are inside and you still want to be expressive and loving and passionate and have you know interest and and so I'm just encouraged by the couples in this book to like continue to grow and learn about myself and 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 be a better partner so I, I started this project because of my grandmother and the people that I photograph are always my muses and teachers and so I'm so grateful and have this great privilege of sharing their wisdom with other people. And hopefully, you know, it's like an intergenerational uh, passing on of information, and it's really um, an honor to be able to do this kind of work.
2: Well, it is uh, not just good work, Ari. It's important work, and and we're grateful uh, that you're doing it. Uh, Folks, check out Advanced Love, uh, but don't stop there. You can learn more about Ari Seth Cohen on his website at advanced.style. Check out his books, his documentary films, social media for daily inspiration. This is a guy who is helping transform our belief system about aging in a unique and very powerful way. Ari Seth Cohen, uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Well, that'll do it for now, but of course, Growing Bolder continues on. Would you like some hope, inspiration, and possibility delivered directly to your home? Who wouldn't want that? All you have to do is subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine at growingbolder.com and be sure to check us out on Facebook to see why the Growing Boulder page is one of the most vibrant and uplifting out there. And be sure to check your local public television station's listings to find out where Growing Boulder TV airs near you. Remember, the gateway to
1: all things Growing Boulder can be found at growingbolder.com. And you know what? While you're out there, don't forget about one of the most important and eye opening books you'll ever read Growing Boulder by Mark Middleton. Check it all out to make sure you're living your life to the fullest. That's what we call Growing Boulder.
0: The Growing Boulder Radio
1: Show is a production of Growing Boulder LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR1 iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producers are Jackie Carlin, Robert Thompson, and Emily Thompson. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nanis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day.
0: Crimson Flame. Step through my ears, flowing high and mighty traps, countless fires.